A pleasure to welcome back to the show Richard A. Bear, A. Bear's Garden Center. How you doing, sir? Hey, Jeff. Good morning to you. You have brought with you, I'm guessing, a freezer cloth, among other things. That's right. That's right. Freeze for cloth. Freeze, we'll talk a little bit about free, that. Not for your freezer. <laughs> yes. Uh, freeze <laughs> would be more appropriate. Yes. Not that there's anything serious coming on, but I thought it was a good time to kind of well, bring you, that you up. You want to do it uh, before it's too late. Yeah, so, yeah. and that's true with, uh, with the one last December. A lot of people were looking for cloth, and there was nothing to be found at some point, you know. But before I get into that, uh, I wanted to mention to everybody that today is the day of the, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Absolutely. And um, so my father was in World War II, and uh, I remember asking him about it. I said, Dad, what the— uh, you know, what was the reaction when this occurred? And he said, well, he says, we were all, apparently there was a Was bowl. he in the service at the time? No, he was not. Okay. So. Uh, like many others, uh, it motivated him. It, it motivated time. him. And the, the part of his motivation is that he said, look, I was definitely going to go sign up because I wanted to be able to choose what, uh, where I wanted to go. <laughs> and so if you signed up, if you were drafted, they're going to put you where they wanted you. And so that was one of his impetuses. But but he basically said, he said there was a bowling alley. Apparently there's a bowling alley where St. Peter Church is on the other side of the track. There was a bowling alley there okay. in that area near near the parish courthouse. And he says, we were bowling. It was, it was about 1 or 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. We were bowling. They announced over the loudspeaker that the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. He said, Everybody in the looked around and said, well, you know, where is Pearl Harbor? You know? <laughs> so Pearl Harbor was nothing to anybody, and now it's obviously everybody knows where it is, and uh, and the rest is history, as it as it turned out. But it, you know, no one knew anything about Pearl Harbor. However, he did say we we knew the consequences of that. You know? Yeah, there was enough being talked about. You know what was going on in Europe and everything else, and he said we knew that that meant we were we were we were into in, into into the. Uh, into the battle. No, no doubt about it. Um, so. But that was a few years ago. Yes, 82, 82 years. years. Yeah, Hard 82 to believe years. it's been right. that long. So talk a little bit about, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, freeze cloth. And and uh, obviously, uh, you know, I want to throw in about poinsettias right now is that poinsettias in this kind of temperatures, you want to protect them. Uh, north wind and all that, they just don't like it, even though it's a a plant that you see around Kusi is really a tropical plant. It does not like temperatures in the 40s and the 30s for sure. And if you get that north wind, what it'll do to them, uh, Jeff, it'll, the, the leaves will start to turn yellow and start to drop. It'll just make the plant not look as healthy. And so you really want to try to keep it as warm as you can, preferably, you know, 50 or 60 and above would be ideal. You know, so that's why this time of year it's an interior plant. Obviously, people put them on their patios or they'll put them in containers, but you got to be willing to kind of move them in and out uh, so that they'll have that protection. They will dry out much faster outside with north wind, too, and that's another factor. Uh, you're going to have to water them a lot more outside uh, than you will inside. However, when you're running the heaters, a lot of times they will dry out fast. So usually interior, you'll have to dry, water them uh, twice a week in, in exterior it may be, you know, three or four times a week you have to, to water depending on the pot and the location. But just know that and you rain, are going to have to protect it. outside, but. That's true. You know, and that's another good point, Jeff. Uh, point set is a very, very fragile uh, in terms of movement and wind and uh, just handling. you you got to be very, very careful. And so, uh, uh, yeah, rain can, you know, a hard rain can kind of mess them up. So you really don't want to 
allow them to really get a lot of moisture on it. can mess up the bracts, uh, the, the coloration of the leaves. That's the one that changes the reddish or pinkish or white color. And so it can mess those up. So, you know, keep them out of the, uh, uh, the wind and certainly the rain uh, will help in terms of the uh, aesthetic look of the plant will allow it to look much, much better. Gotcha. So getting that to freeze cloth. So this freeze cloth is actually uh, uh, made out of, of a fabric that allows you to cover the plant uh, so that you can cover it earlier in the uh, in the day before the hard freeze, and uh, and allows you to keep it on the plant for for several days if need be. Um, so far this year, Jeff, we really have had had not any reason to use it, and certainly the last couple of days has not been a factor. If it's anything such as a poinsettia, you'd want to bring those in. But but you know, in terms of the vegetables, sometimes you know, last year Jeff was a tough deal. We got uh, at Christmas the Christmas week. We got extreme cold. And we're talking, you know, it was in the lower 20s and stayed below freezing for two or three days. And that was a problem for anything, cool season or not. It was an issue. And so the people who had, let's talk a little bit about vegetables, cool season vegetables such as cabbage and broccoli and carrots and beets and all that kind of stuff, that took a lick because it was so extreme and, and it was a problem. You know, normal winter temperatures such as 28, 27 for cool season vegetables is a non-issue. Uh, you know, you may have to wet it a little bit, but, but other than that, you should be fine. Now, if you have some young plants or young seedlings such as carrots and it gets down to 28, 27, you may have to kind of protect it a little bit. But in a normal, normal uh, you know, winter, which, uh, you know, a freeze and, a, and then it warms up the next day, it's a non-issue for the uh, cool season vegetables. The um, um, uh, the one the things that you want to protect would be uh, things that such as those fall tomato plants. I have a beautiful plant right. I must have thirty tomatoes on it. Gorgeous plant that was planted in late August, and uh, it it's doing really well now. So I had to watch. You know, they were talking about the temperature starting to get into the thirties. If there would have been a frost, that would have been an issue. Now for a frost, if you Wake up early enough, like you, Jeff. You can go out there and water that plant a few, you know, a few minutes before sun rises, and the frost is a non-issue. So the tomato plant that uh, that everybody had planted so far has not has, has not had a problem. I don't think we had a frost this morning, so it's a non-issue. But if it would get to 32, 29, 28, a tomato plant is one that you would have to cover it. And then would the covering work? It just depends on how long it stays below freezing. If it stays below freezing for seven, eight hours, you're going to have to get it under that covering some type of artificial heat. Uh, last year, Jeff, the people who had planted, for example, the tomato plant and had um, 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 protected it, many people had plant, plant these fall tomatoes in containers, and they just brought it in for those two or three days that it got cool. Well, heck, they had tomatoes all all winter because January and February was extremely warm. Uh, it was very mild, mild to the point that we had, you know, 80-degree weather. And um, it, so they performed very, very well. And it was just saving, saving them those two or three nights that we had the cold. Other than that, it was a non-issue. So sometimes plants are worth saving, especially in our winters where, where we may not get a freeze or – or, or any sustained freezes at all once we get past the one or two that we may get. Uh, this year we may not get anything. You just never know, Jeff, and so just be prepared. But these, these, uh, this insulate or these fabrics allow the plant to breathe so you can cover them early 
and then um, and then either leave it or take it off depending on what the temperature is supposed to be. So this will allow you four or five degrees. And the key with most plants is you want to cover it to the ground. Remember the heat uh, out of the ground. There is heat coming out of the soil. So if you can get these plants covered, not just the upper part, but, but actually encapsulate the plant to the ground, that will give you those four or five degrees because that heat coming out of the ground will be trapped. I don't know if it was ever needed or needed enough to justify, uh, but my mom used to put uh, like these styrofoam buckets mm-hmm. over plants. Absolutely, yeah. e- even a box. You know, yeah. depending if you have a large enough box and and you cover that you cover that plant with a box, that will help you a lot. And the the, the styrofoam is the same theory, you know, but more insulation too. And so, uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, anything that will protect you from the wind and trap that heat that's in the ground and allow it to stay within that uh, in that part will help out tremendously. So, but preparation is always the key, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. You know, and so what happens is is that it gets real cold. People get nervous, and the day of they're starting to look for this stuff, and many times that's. There's two issues there. One, it could be rain and cold, so you're going out there in the rain and cold trying to trying to make this happen. Or two, the materials you need uh, just aren't available. It's kind of like after after yeah, the freeze exactly. for for pipes. You know, everybody's looking for you know you know half inch tees or something, and 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 they're not either. The lines are so long, you're waiting hours to get to them, or they're just not available. So so definitely prep if you have any plant material. And Jeff, it could be as something simple as saying you know. Um, you know, I know I have four or five plants that I'm going to need to protect, and temperatures getting cooler. Let let me have a let me uh, let me have a plan so that I know I can just have to pull them in, or have them near you know near the house. You know, if you wrap a plant and it's against, let's say you have a plant in the container that's right now it's in the middle of the yard and you need to pull it and you don't have any place to bring it into something, put it against the house and wrap it against the house will give you. At least five, six, seven, eight degrees because of the heat coming from the house, uh, and that what that has saved many plants. You have to wrap it if it gets cold enough, but just being against the house, away from the north wind, wrapped, um, will trap heat coming out of the house. That's why so many of these faucets don't freeze when you wrap the faucet that's coming out of the house. You wrap it because they, you're trapping those that uh, warm temperatures that are emitting from the house that you can't see. So just a little plan, a little plan, a little organization. Know what you got. Crotons is another one. We saw a lot of crotons in the fall, right? That's a beautiful fall plant. That's the ones with the orange and yellow uh, uh, leaves, but they're very cold sensitive, meaning that once it gets in the 40s. So you need to kind of, you need to kind of keep those out of the wind and keep them out of temperatures, uh, you know, um, 30s and 40s for sure. And that's uh, that's the long and short of it. So be prepared. Uh, get ready. Hopefully we don't have to use it, but if you do, you will be ready. And and if you don't use it this year, you may need but, it next year, and it's it's something you're not throwing away. You're not throwing away, exactly. And uh, visqueen can be used, Jeff, if you're desperate, but you have to put it on late, and you have to take it off early. And the simple reason for that is is that uh, it, it traps the heat, but when that sun comes out and starts – heating you get that greenhouse effect in there and even if it's still below freezing can the sun still do damage absolutely yeah. because uh it's kind of to tell people it's kind of like being in a car you know if you if your car if it's freezing and your car is, is the windows are up and you're in the full sun it doesn't take 
very long for it to get really hot in there. And so imagine what's going on with the plant when uh, uh, in a small little encapsulation and it's trapped and, and uh, it can be an issue. Gotcha. Okay, Jeff, I'm, a, I'm launching that over there to you, Jeff. Uh, that's a leaf. And that's a cabbage leaf. But on that plant is a little worm. Can you see it? Absolutely. And yeah. I can see it's damaged. Exactly, and it is. That's a uh, it's a cabbage looper, but it'll get on anything. It's they, a looper, a looper, and it is a uh, it multiplies very fast. A lot of people want to treat these. Say, oh, I need to treat my soil so they don't come back next year. No, the little moths fly around. They lay these eggs, so there's really nothing to control them. They're easy to control, but you got to stay ahead of them. the the leaf. Jeff looked at is has has a multitude of holes in the leaves. And so you can tell it's been there, and uh, you can actually take that one and just press it and kill it. But there's probably a bunch more. If you have just one or two plants, you can actually visually go find them and just take them off, and that's not an issue. But if you have a bunch, obviously it's much harder to do. And like I said, if there's one, there's another one not far away. Not far away. And so just, you know, those little visual inspections, you got to look for it and go in there and really look under the leaves. But the, the good news about the loopers is that they're easy to kill, and there's some safe products that are that are uh, uh, organic that you can spray that'll kill them within 24 hours, and you can still eat the leaves. You know, the biggest issue with a lot of these fall vegetables, Jeff, is that you eat most a lot of the stuff you eat in the leaves, the cabbage, the mustard. You know, you're eating the leaves themselves, broccoli. Um, you know, you're eating not necessarily the leaves, but the the flower buds, and so. So you want to be careful what you're spraying, you know, and so uh, that can easily turn. The other big one we're having issues with now is aphids, those little bitty bugs that get that. There can be hundreds of them, and a lot of people say, oh, no, it's not an aphid because it's not red. I've seen aphids almost clear, mm-hmm. yellowish, whitish, show, and uh, that one can be controlled. Um, and you just got to make sure, for the most part, when you're spraying uh, chemicals on on leafy plants to try to get under the leaves because that's when they ma- that's where they mass. So you want to get everywhere, but you kind of have to spray under the leaves, and that's why dust I find aren't as effective uh, in these in these in the uh, cool season vegetables because it's just hard to get that dust under that leaf. Whereas a liquid, you can take your nozzle and spray everywhere, and you know that that works that works very very well. The uh, and other than that, I think we've had uh, uh, so far the you know the the timing has been good. The plants are doing well. Um, you know the cabbage plants are starting to head up. Some people will probably harvest cabbage if they plant it early in August in another week or two. And uh, but usually the goal is to have those cabbage ready around uh, January first. So if you planted those in in um, uh, September, you should be your timing should be uh, pretty good for that. But either way. Um, uh, everything has performed very well. We're starting to get some rains, which has really helped, uh, you know, everything to do well. And and so, um, so far, so good. And hopefully we don't get anything really, really hard. The biggest insect that has jumped from zero to a lot of over the last two weeks has been red ants. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is is that everybody thought, oh, the red ants are gone. Well, they were there, <laughs> but they were under the ground. Yeah, I, I found uh, a nest yesterday. That's right. And when oh, you – oh, up. really? Yeah. So you really found it, huh? Oh, they found like, you. I'm, I'm, I was doing something. I was putting a garbage can back, and they sometimes nest under that garbage can. And sure enough, about 20 minutes after I put that garbage can back, I looked down, I my ankle – 
which is was a bear, of course, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Uh, right. You know, so, yeah, they're out there. They're out there. And, and uh, so, so what happened was, you know, they multiplied and divided, but no one knew they were there because they were in the ground. And when you get the amount of rain we got, uh, the ant will only go up to, 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 to the high ground, right? Well, when the ground is, is uh, this high, I mean, is this saturated, which it was because the amount of rain we got, they went even higher. So we're starting to get in these raised beds where the people have the, you know, 12-inch high raised beds. A tremendous amount of ants in there because they went, they said, I got to get out of the ground. And they hit that, that, that wood or the metal or whatever, and they go up and they go into these, to these raised beds. You know, garbage cans, anything that that to get elevate them, and so that's been the big pro- big insect over the last uh, you know couple of weeks. And you just want to be careful. There's a lot of ways to deal with it, and some people will spot treat the mounds, which can be affected with the right chemicals. But the best way is to broadcast uh, granules over the whole area, uh, so that no matter where they pop up, uh, it'll kill them. And uh, so sometimes when you spot treated it's not as effective because they just they kills the percentage of them but they'll also move uh the other thing you want to be uh, careful of is that especially in a vegetable garden in a raised bed you want to be uh, a little careful of what kind of chemicals you're using in that not everything is labeled to be used in in plant in uh, in vegetables that you're going to eat so you ne- you, you may yeah. not necessarily use the same uh, chemical that you're using in your lawn uh, that you would use in your vegetable bed. So you want to kind of watch that, but look for them. They're there, and, um, you know, you want to uh, you want to attack it while you can. If you do use it on uh, vegetable you'd be planning on eating, is there something you can do to mitigate uh, having used uh, something you shouldn't have? Well, the, 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 not really. Time? Yeah, it, it can, but usually the things that are... Uh, that have a time element to it uh, are labeled for vegetables. So if you use something that's not labeled, you will not find anything that says, oh, you can eat it after seven, ten days. Uh, Obviously a systemic product that will kill ants and go into a plant wouldn't be, wouldn't be the best thing. So the truth is, is that, uh, you know, you check check the label before you use it. And uh, you know, that's, that's always the, uh, the smart way to go and the safest way to go. Obviously, if it's a systemic that the roots will pick up, that could be an issue for the whole crop, you know. But the truth is you want, you want to read your label and make darn sure, um, you know, that it's safe to be utilized. And, and once you do that, then you're, you're, you're going to be in good shape. Gotcha. The other plant that's uh, blooming around town that, uh, that, uh, that people are inquiring about is the camellias. Northern Illinois is going to be in the Camellia Bowl January, December 23rd. <laughs> where, where is the Camellia Bowl? Montgomery, Alabama. I was going to say Alabama. I bet you it was Alabama. Yeah. So, uh, oh, there you go. Congratulations. Yeah, that can be my boosty, boutonier. <laughs> what, what do they call those things? Yeah, I think, I think uh, you got it right. Yeah. The, uh, so this was a, is a type of camellia. It's called a Sasanqua. It's very common. It's a dwarf camellia that you see uh in the landscapes uh uh usually in in the flower beds and they this is the most common one it's a pink one and it's called a shishi and uh it is it, one that gets about three or four feet tall uh it's a great plant because it'll take full sun or full shade which is kind of unusual uh uh really hardy it can take the cold weather 
so that's a great uh, a plus. Yeah, you, and it's you an say, evergreen. You say it can take full shade, full sun. Is there a better way, though? I mean, is there a preferred, even if it can tolerate both? Does yeah. it thrive under anything? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good question, Jeff. And, and the truth is, is that uh, usually with plants that can take a full sun or full shade, they will do much better in the shade. And that's stri- strictly a relation to uh, uh, they're usually going to be shallow rooted. And so when it gets really dry like this past summer and really hot, they have problems. Not that, not that they won't survive, but you're going to have to make sure they mulch really good and that you don't forget about watering them because they'll be the first to dry out because the root system is, is pretty much in the top two or three inches of the soil, and so that's the part that's going to dry out the fastest. So, yeah, much easier in the shade. However, if you start driving around town, you will see a bunch in the, in the full sun. And then, you know, I always say, Jeff, little, little things make a, a big difference when it comes to plant material. And so you can say, well, man, they, those people never watered those plants at all this past summer, and they made it. Eh, it could be that maybe they were in the sun, but they were getting morning sun and afternoon shade, and it didn't get the intensity. Who knows what the difference is, but it's, it's amazing how little difference can make big differences. But in general, camellias and azaleas, for example, uh, both of those that grow in sun or shade, they would pref- they're easier in the shade. However, if you treat them right, mulch them really good and just don't completely forget about them in situations such as we had last year uh they will they will do fine and thrive also but but you know the advantage of a plant like this when it comes to design jeff is that a lot of times you have a situation where you have a front yard that you know half the yard is in the shade and the other half is in the sun and so you're trying to you you know you're trying to you know aesthetically balance it out you know so that you have a little some blooms on the left and some blooms on the right and these type plants will allow you to do that because they'll take sun or shade but they but they need to be treated differently as we talked about and uh and as long as you do that they'll be capable but look for them we're going to start to see the uh japonicas start to bloom in the next few weeks and the camellia japonicas are the ones of the old ones that had maybe the five or six inch diameter flowers uh bigger leaves but uh, all of them have this waxy, glossy leaf, which I think looks great in the uh, in the summertime, and they're yeah, evergreen. Yeah. And so the fact that they're evergreen uh, makes a makes a big, big difference when it comes to uh, when it comes to that. The only other one I had, Jeff, and I don't know if I forgot it, but uh, we're starting to see a lot of it, and I'm not sure. But this is. Uh, um, a, a, Thanks for putting this one in a bag. Yes, that's lichen, and that's mm-hmm. a little, that little mossy stuff. You see a lot on crepe myrtles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're seeing a lot more of it, and the big reason I believe we're seeing it is because of the stress that occurred this summertime. And so uh, that is that is kind of a side effect from stress, and basically the plant will it's have like it when your immune system is down, you're more likely to catch a cold. That's yeah. right, exactly, and that's what this is. So. You know, there's sprays that you can spray to get rid of it, but you also try to try to figure out, you know, what caused it and why is the plant doing it. So you want to, you know, you want to fertilize them more, uh, you know, m- maybe mulch them more, whatever the reason. Uh, you know, it may be a plant that's near a big tree and the tree's sapping all the moisture in the root, so don't forget to water it when, you know, in stressful situations such as this summer. So there could be a lot of reasons for it, but the, the easy go-to is say, hey, instead of fertilizing your plant, you know, we tell most people when it comes to shrubs, you know, probably once a year fertilize, fertilization on an established plant is sufficient in the spring. Maybe in plants that you say they just don't look good and, and they got the lichen all over it, maybe that when you do it 
two, three, four, five times during the growing season to kind of stimulate growth and kind of to give it everything it needs, along with trying to figure out what could be the issue. Uh, but that's a good starting point, and uh, that, that makes a, uh, a big, big difference. Gotcha. Anything else uh, you want to share today? Jeff, I think that's it. And uh, hopefully we, uh, you know, I know the cane farmers at this point probably don't need a lot more rain. Uh, so maybe we'll get a little bit Saturday, but not too much as we did last week. Gotcha. Christmas trees, uh, how they going? We, uh, going good. We still, got, we still got trees left, especially the taller ones are going. Some of the seven to eights and eight to nines, which are the most popular sizes, uh, take it back. Six to seven and seven to eights is what we have the, the most of. But, yeah, we, we're, uh, we're still blowing and going seven days a week. There you go. Always a pleasure, Richard. Thank you, Jeff.